16. Is where we're going to look tonight, and you say, man, you ain't going to preach on David. Well, just be careful. We might before we get done, but uh, chances are we're not. This is not, a, that's not the area in which the Lord has directed our heart for tonight. Of course, with uh, baptism coming up on Sunday, and I always like, uh, that's one of those subjects where it all be preached a couple times a year, and when the Lord gives us a green light, we will. I can't tell you that's where we'll be. But I uh, think about church doctrine, I think about ecclesiology, you say, what in the world's that? Well, that's a study of the church, and we're going to look at some things tonight that, that I hope will be a help and a blessing to you, and it's benefited, no doubt, every, what we're going to talk about tonight has benefited every person that's sitting in here this evening, and I'll tell you what, thank God, just say first off, thank God for the church, and I uh, thank God for the plan and the purpose of the church, and for Jesus paying the price so you and I could be saved and redeemed. And I'm glad we don't have to go to hell. I'm glad we're going to a place called heaven, not because we deserve it, but because grace stepped in. And a Brother Daniel had mentioned something to me a minute ago about uh, the two things. He said, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you, if you've got humility, then God will give you grace. But when you've got pride, he'll resist you. Now, which one do we want? You want some grace or you want some resistance? Man, I want all the grace that I can get because, man, I need it. And I'm glad he's got a boatload for whosoever will. And even after we're saved, you know, we still have to have grace. There's saving grace, there's sufficient grace, there's sustaining grace. One of these days, there'll be dying grace that all of us are going to have to face at some point or the other. But I'm glad there'll be somebody there with us that'll go further than, than any man, woman, boy, girl, mom, dad, husband, wife, child can go we. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I appreciate his blessings. Again, I thank God for the church. But tonight, very familiar passage that we're going to read. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. And I preached several numerous messages out of Matthew 16, but I couldn't find anywhere else to really settle. I'm going to be in the book of Acts somewhat to a little bit. I'm not going to give you a lot of scripture as far as to turn to, but if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a bunch to jot down. But in Matthew 16, I'm not going to ask you to stand tonight, but notice with me, verse number 13, probably some of the greatest questions ever been uh, presented and also one of the greatest answers that's ever been given is found in this passage. Matthew 16, verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Boy, that's a good question. You better be able to answer that. Who is Jesus to you? Somebody says, well, uh, Jesus, you know, uh, Preacher Brian, you know, he, he talks about Jesus all the time, or my mom talks about Jesus, and, and Jesus her Savior. What about you? Who is he to you person? That's a good question that you better be able to answer. That will determine your eternal destination, either in a place called heaven or a place called hell. And all a person's got to do to go to hell is reject the free pardon and forgiveness of sin is found in the Lord Jesus. So he asked the question, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? Well, notice verse 14. They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and that's Jeremiah the prophet, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Now, first off, he said, Whom do men say that I am? And then he said, Whom do ye say that I am? He changed it somewhat. Look at verse 16. Both Simon Peter hit the nail on the head. Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now notice this next verse, and you know it well. Most of you could probably quote this, but this is what we're preaching on tonight, with it being the church. Verse 18, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not 
prevail against it. Now, the Roman Catholic Church have, has demonstrated great error through the years, and I don't mind calling it what it is. They believe that Jesus was talking about Peter, and, and, and he's one of the saints. You go into some of those Catholic churches, I've only been in one uh, in Devil's Lake, North Dakota, and the strange thing is this. First time I ever went into one, Brother Kevin, you're talking about an immaculate building. Me and Brother Larry Adams, Brother Jason Dow, and David Perryman, which was a, a director of missions over South America missions at one time, we all went in, and we took pictures. We went up to the International Peace Gardens right there on the edge of North Dakota and Canada, and we stood on the line of the U.S. and Canada where the flowers grow, had pictures all throughout. We had buffalo burgers and took pictures in those restaurants. Well, listen, when we went into the Catholic Church, when we opened those doors, I've never felt, well, I, I say never, I have felt it before, but it's been limited times when I felt the presence of evil just as soon as I stepped into the foyer of that church. Just as soon as we went into the Roman Catholic Church right there in Devil's Lake, North Dakota, I ain't talking about boxes, I'm talking about pallets and cases of liquor was, was piled up right there in the foyer when you go in. When we went through those doors to go into the sanctuary, it was dark. It was sort of gloomy. And there's a little bit of a, almost like smoke was in the air. And you could see these candles lit up all throughout. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm taking these pictures, but I still, the, what little hair I had, I had hair then. But it was sort of standing up on the back of my neck because I had to just suppress the evil as we walked in. And what it was, it was these statues. There was Peter, and there was John, and there was Mary, and they had little benches about like that. And right behind those benches, they had candles. And what they would do, they would come in, and they would pray to Mary, or they would pray to John, or they would pray to Peter, and they'd light a candle signifying that their prayer had been lived up. Hey, friend, I want to tell you this. They ain't a prayer going up. They don't go in Jesus' name. But the interesting thing is this. All those pictures, the International Peace Garden, those restaurants where we went, we went and got some, which exchanged some Canadian money for Amer or American money for Canadian money. We took pictures of all those places along the way in South Dakota, even over in Tennessee. We picked up a van, take it to another missionary. We had pictures of them and their family. All those come back, but mine, Brother Larry Adams, Brother Jason Dow, Brother David Perryman, all them, we all took pictures, but not one of them developed inside that church. It was all black. Every one of them, black as pitch. <laughs> the presence of evil that we went in there and see the Catholic Church has messed this up. They thought that, that Jesus was talking about Peter and the, the, the church was built upon Peter. The church was not built upon Peter. The church was built upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He said they were built upon this rock. He was speaking of himself. The church is built upon the death the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of folks say, well, man, we hear that all the time. Well, that's the main message that you've got to keep the main message until Jesus comes. That's what the church was built upon. That's what it was founded upon. There's a lot of folks that can throw rocks at the church, say, well, there's a lot of problems in the church. There's always going to be problems in the local church and in the local assembly because every local church is made up of imperfect people. And listen, that's who God works through. But there's always always going to be problems within a church, but there ain't nothing wrong with the foundation, what it was built upon. And notice the words of Jesus. He said upon this, this rock, I will, future tense, build my church, and the gates of hell shall not 
prevail against it. There's a lot of folks I've seen, you know, they preach that they say, well, the church was, was alive and well in the Old Testament. That ain't so. There's life, the church wasn't alive and well until after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter number 2, when the permanent abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of God fell on believers. That's when the church was birthed. Here in this context, Jesus said, future tense, I will in the future build my church. And it's built upon his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They couldn't be a church prior to that because that's what the church is built upon. If that makes sense, say amen. And that's Bible. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. But when you think about the church, we think about from the day of Pentecost till the day of the rapture when the Lord Jesus is going to return. That's going to wrap up the church age. And listen, every person that's been saved during that time, praise the Lord, we're going up. Either going up through the clouds, you're going up through the clouds one way or the other. We're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, we sing those songs. What a day that'll be. But when I think about the church, from, that, from the day of Pentecost to the rapture of the church, the people that have put their faith in the Lord Jesus. We have this phrase, I don't even like using this, but it, it, is a proper, it is a proper term. We think about the universal church. You say, what is the universal church? Well, let's just put it this way. There's folks at Northwood Baptist Church that put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're part of the church. There's folks here at Faith Community Baptist Church that have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mount Bethel and Wood and other places that have put their faith. Even over in the Philippines, Brother Carpio was here last Wednesday night. People that put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they belong to what you would say the universal church. But listen, tonight what I'm preaching on is this, is the local assembly. I've said this numerous times. Most of you can probably quote it as well. When you study through your Bible in the New Testament, 95% of the references in the New Testament when it's talking about a church has to do with a local assembly. Think about the epistles that were written with, with, the, with the human instrument or the human pen, the Apostle Paul or even John the Apostle. They were written unto churches and unto believers like the church. And, and Think about Ephesians. That was written to the church in Ephesus. Let's think about Philippians. That was written to the church in Philippi. We think about Galatians. That was written to the church there in Galatia. You could go on Colossians to the church in Colossae. Think about 1 Thessalonians. That was in Thessalonica. You could go on and on and on about the references to the local assembly. When the apostle Paul went on his first, second, and third missionary journeys, what did he do? He went to local assemblies on the first, established the church. Second time, he went around and established them even further. He, he started them, then he established Established them. Then the third missionary journey he was going through just to make sure that they had everything they need to push forward for the glory of God. They were local assemblies in local places with local people. So one thing that really hurt during the COVID deal was when you couldn't gather. Because that breaks what the church is. The church is where God's people gather together. Amen. And local Church, God is, is local church oriented. It's important. We think about baptism. That's one of the doctrines. And if the Lord will allow us to, uh, of course, Sunday, we may preach on that. When you think about the word church, it comes from, from the Greek word ekklesia, which is basically a group of called out 
people. What we called out from? We called out from the world. I mean, when the Lord Jesus Christ saved our soul, we become salt and we become light. That's what we're supposed to be. And you think about this, then God has enables the individuals like in East Bend, North Carolina, to come to a local assembly like Faith Community Baptist Church. I say thank God for the local church. A lot of people would be in hell if it wasn't for the ministry of the local church. Not only faith, I think about friendship, I think about others down through the years. But you think about this, think it, now, now just, just think with me for just a moment. Now I'm not, I'm just, I'm just going to state some facts. You think about this, most of your churches that are popping up now, they're non-denominational. And most of them got a catchy phrase, just one word. Be something like awake. Or arise. Or collide. Amen. You so you shouldn't have said that. Well, it is what it is. I'm just saying. One word. Non-denominationalism. Can anybody, does anybody know when the last Methodist church was started? No. That is a dying breed. And it really is. And a lot of that's a self-inflicted hit. How many of you can remember a Baptist church? There are not too many. There's a few here and there. But what I'm saying all this is most of these new denominationalism things have a catchy phrase. And, and, and again, that's where you got the jungle beat and different things. And, and in reality, what a lot of them try to do is this. Got to get out. Oh, we got to reach people. Got to reach people. Listen, you can reach people, but you ought to reach them the right way. You, you can't. We can't turn God into a casual God because God is not a casual God. He is a thrice holy God. You can't bring him down to our level. Listen, thank God. That's where grace steps in. we got to see him in his holiness. But local churches were established and were placed here to instruct yeah, we're to preach the gospel. We're, we think about evangelism. We think about fellowship. We think about worship. We think about discipleship. All those are important tools to a local church. Now, when God called me to Wilkes County, my motto was this. I wanted to make it difficult for folks to die lost in their sin and go to a place called hell. Why is there? I brought that same motto down here to Faith Community Baptist Church. You've heard me say that numerous times. You've been here at Faith any length of time very early on. I told our deacons the same thing very first when we met at at the smokehouse up there in Wilkesboro when I knew God had centered on my heart to be here. I said, look, man, I want to make it difficult for people to die lost in East Bend, North Carolina. Now, are people going to die lost in their city? Sure they are, but I want them to have to walk over the ministry here of Faith Community Baptist Church, a local assembly of called-out believers that have come together in one mind and one accord, although we're not perfect because we are not, and this church is a far away from perfect, and you say, you talking about your members? No, I'm talking about you preacher. Listen, I know you preacher, you pastor better than anybody else. I ain't perfect. I've got my mess ups. I got my hang ups. But listen, I love Jesus. I love people. And listen, I'm thankful for the church and the ministry here at Faith Community Baptist Church. And we got to press on for the glory of God because there are still sinners everywhere you go. <laughs> everywhere you can turn on any street in Yakin County, just about. And you're going to find one because they live on every street. There is, but thank God for the church is founded upon the Lord Jesus. Now, I want to give you just a few things. Now, I was talking about the universal church. Again, everybody, the folks that trust Christ. But God thinks much of the local assembly. 
Because, again, 95% of the references are referenced to those local groups. And just like here, just like Mount Bethel and just like Northwood, again, we're not in competition, man. There's people that need to be saved. And I, I, listen, I, uh, there, there's no animosity at all for the crowds that are, that are sticking with the stuff. Amen. That are sticking with the stuff. We're going we're gonna to pray on for them. We are. And, but understand tonight, when you think about the local church, the local church, it's not a, it's not a business, but it has to be run that way. It really does. A lot of folks don't understand that. They're, they're still trying to run a church back in 1960, 1970. You can't do that. There are laws. Amen. You say, well, the church ought to be separate the state, and, and the church ought to be. And listen, a lot of folks have got that messed up. <laughs> Those laws were not set up to hinder the church. It was to hinder the state from monkeying with the church. Go back and look at the original documents where, it, where they put all that together. But you still got to run things, and it's got to, it, it's amazing. Sister Janet does a tremendous job, and, and Brother Adrian with, the, with, the, with the, uh, the minutes and all that, and with the treasure report, everything ought to be detailed. Every month we lay out a report so folks can see. You say, well, I ain't never see one. Well, you ought to stay for the business meeting sometime. Hey, Amen. It'd be good. You're part of the church. It's an important part of that. But understand when you think about it, there's some responsibilities that are laid out there. But the church is to be organized. Organized. How you know? Well, it's biblical. You say, how you know? Did you know? And I know you probably know this, and I maybe just be beating a dead horse, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of this. According to the Word of God, what makes a church a church? A church, number one, is going to have officers. Going to have church officers. Philippians 1, 1, Acts 20, verse 17, talked about the elders. Acts 14, 23, Titus 1, 5 said, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I appointed thee. Now, why were they ordaining elders in every city? Because in every city they had planted a local assembly. And that's where the elders were ordained. Why? Because there were officers in every church. I'll tell you this, and, and you, you, you can believe it or not, but you have to argue with God. What makes a church a biblical church? You're going to have pastors and deacons. If somebody belongs to a church and they don't have a pastor and they don't have deacons, it's not a biblical church. I don't care how long it's been around, but according to the Bible, according to the Word of God, if there's a church that is there, it does not have a pastor and does not have deacons, it's not a biblical church. Now, the church had officers. Oh, and by the way, you can go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and there's qualifications for the leadership as well. Now, this is, and again, I understand it's 2023. You say, well, man, the culture's a whole lot different. If they've got women preachers, or women deacons or elders, it is not a biblical church. It's a man-made deal and a woman-made deal. God did not orchestrate that. God did not ordain it. It doesn't mean that women are any less. That, that has nothing to do with it. It's what God has laid out in His Word, and He defined it. What does it say? The husband of one wife. I mean, I understand the culture, the way we're living today. we got these lesbians married, and I don't dare call them husband and wife. And That ain't what that's talking about. It's a man. Masculine. Amen. That's not to throw rocks. I mean, I, I've never met. I don't believe I've ever met a lady that understood 
that their position in Christ, that their sins were forgiven, that ever got upset, that God said, hey, a woman's not to preach, and a woman's not to be in authority to usurp authority over a man. I've never seen anybody get upset that was right with God and had their sins forgiven. I've never seen anybody get upset. You'd have to argue the Bible, but understand, in every boy, i got to move. But you think about the local church, it had church officers, and there's a structure behind that. Now, we live in this culture and this thing today where toleration. You've heard me talk about that, what one generation embraces, the next generation, or what one, what one generation tolerates, the next generation fully embraces. And you see how we've drifted so far away from the Bible. Why have we got these little, these little clubs popping up like awake and arise and collide? i tell you why. Man, it's because of that fact. One generation has tolerated some stuff, and now this next generation has embraced it, and God's people have sit back and said, well, it really ain't that big a deal. Thank God for old-time worship. Thank God for old-time religion. We don't need smoke screens. We don't need no lies. Listen, we still need some preaching. We need some old songs designed that'll bring conviction to the heart and won't let you, let you pat your foot and feel good in the flesh. But I'm talking about convicting messages, convicting music that'll deal with an individual's soul condition. But I say all that to say this to church. And I, listen, I ain't got a whole lot of notes. I'm just, this is, is what it is. I understand it's Wednesday night. But a local church will have church officers. We also know the church had a membership role. Church had a membership role. And everybody listen to me carefully. I may say this again Sunday. And uh, here's the order. An individual hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At some point or the other, they receive Christ Jesus as their Savior. And we say, Amen. The second order is this. To be baptized, not sprinkled, but to be baptized by immersion. Being placed not partially under the water, but completely under the water, submerged because it is a picture, Romans 6, of being buried with Christ and raised to walk in newness of life. Number one is to be saved. Number two is to be baptized. Number three is to join a local church. And I've said this, and I'll say it again tonight. Faith Community Baptist Church ain't for everybody. I get that. I understand that. I've never said you've got to join Faith Community Baptist Church, but here's what you all do. If you're saved by the grace of God, number one, you, you need to, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. If you are saved, never been baptized, you're out of the will of God. You're in open rebellion with a, fist, with a clenched fist in the face of God saying, well, bless God, I ain't going to do it. You're in rebellion against God. God said once we get saved, we're to be baptized to be identified with Christ. Then once we've been saved, we've been baptized. Then we're to yoke up with a local assembly. Amen. Like mind and like faith. Now, I didn't say you had to join faith. But if you want to be right with God, you need to be saved. Number two, you need to be baptized by immersion biblically to be identified with Christ. Number three, you need to yoke up by faith to a local assembly. Because the church had a membership role. Listen to this, Acts 2 and verse 41 then they that gladly received his word. There they are. They're saved. They received the word of God. Notice, I read on Acts 2.41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The word baptized there it means to dip, immerse, fully submerge under the water. Sprinkling won't identify you with Christ. Only being submerged in that water 
is a type and a picture of being buried with Christ and raised to walk in his life. So notice the order. Then they that gladly received his word, they were saved, were baptized too. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. What's that mean? They were added unto them 3,000 souls. They had a membership role and they joined the local church. <laughs> Some people don't get it. I, I don't understand. You can't plead ignorance when you look at the Word of God. The order is this. You've got to be saved. Number two, you need to be baptized and be right with God. Number three, you need to yoke up and be added unto a church. Amen. <laughs> there's a proof of the church's organization. Number one, there's church offices or officers. Number two, there's a membership role. They also met at set times. Biblically, they met at set times. Just why do, we, why do we meet regularly? Because it's a biblical thing to do. Amen. Acts 4.31, 1 Corinthians 16.2. Acts 20 and verse 7, the Bible said, Upon the first day of the week, which is Sunday, by the way, that's the, the Lord's Day, we call it. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, I'm not going to preach to midnight tonight, I don't think. But listen, they met at certain times, at regular times, the first day of the week. And a lot of times you'll see in the book of Acts, they met day by they met daily. They couldn't get enough of the Word of God. So they met at set times. They had a membership role. They had church officers, but they also exercised church discipline. Never been involved in that, but really, really one time. It's sort of one of those deals where you don't ever, it's sort of a last resort kind of deal. But 3 John in verse number 10, 1 Corinthians 5, 13, Romans 16 and verse 17 said this, Now I beseech you, so he's begging them. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. The early church, they practiced church discipline. We don't, again, I believe you ought to avoid that at all, at all costs. And that's why I believe if you keep the preaching hot, yeah, and you keep the pews hot most time. You can keep the wolves at bay for the most part. But just understand, there's times when you got to exercise church discipline. We also know that the early church raised money for the Lord's work. Second Corinthians nine verse six and seven. Also, First Corinthians sixteen verse one and two. Very rarely, and this is why. Uh, and I know in time past, I mean, I've done things at Wilkes, done things at Friendship, and maybe even done things here in the past. But I don't like taking up offerings unless it's Sunday. You say, well, why don't we take up an offering on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? Because the Bible says this. Listen now. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do you. Upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Offerings are to be given on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. That's why we didn't. Occasionally we have. I understand there's been certain things come up, and maybe we didn't have, an, have a choice, and, and we've took an offering up on Monday. And there's a lot of reasons why we don't take one up during revival. I don't believe it's the home church's responsibility to have visitors coming in to pay for the visiting preacher. <laughs> Y'all got that for free? That's why we don't do that. 
It's among God's people. You've heard me make this statement before. We take up an offering. Hey, if you're visiting with us, don't you worry about it. If you want to give, it's going to them. But this is for God's people. This is for Faith Community Baptist Church. I said it at Mount Sinai. Done the same thing. It's our responsibility as a local assembly to take care. And thank God we do. I mean, thank God we take care of the bills. We take care of the finances here. You know what? We don't go out. We don't sell stuff. We don't have cook sales. We don't have yard sales. We don't do any of that to finance the work of God. Listen, God. God chose to use his people to pay for his work. Now listen, the gospel is free, but it costs to minister. We know that. It costs to keep vans running. It costs to pay insurance and salary. All I get it. Uh, electrical and all that. Listen, y'all have been, I mean, overabundant, super good to me and my family. And I, 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 I can't thank you. You put food on my table. You put clothes on my back. And all I can say is thank you, thank you. It's not enough. But you know why you do that? Because God works through the local church, which is made up of God's people. But listen, they raise money for the Lord's work. Now, they also sent letters of commendation. I'll let you in on another secret here in a minute. Some of you may know and may not know. Acts 18, verse 24 through 28. And Acts 15, verse 22 and 23. The Bible said, Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. Now, what were they doing there in Acts 15? They were sending letters of commendation. Now, listen, all this started with the Southern Baptist movement. Listen, I grew up in a, in a conservative Southern Baptist church. That's what I was birthed out of. But listen, I, I, I'm an independent, fundamental Bible preacher today. And I thank God for my heritage. But I'll tell you what was born out of the Southern Baptist denomination. It was these letters of commendation. For example, probably... Probably four or five years ago. So at that time, Sister Janet, I'd been here seven or eight years, somewhere, somewhere around in that range. All right, Brother Howard, we get a letter. Sister Nina gives me a letter. She was clerk at the time. And she says, so-and-so is requesting a letter from Faith Community Baptist Church to join another assembly. I said, who is that? I don't know who that is. She said, well, I'm not sure I know who it is. I said, well, we're not sending a letter of commendation." You're showing, wait a minute, that ain't right. Now, if they ain't been at faith in seven or eight years, who in their right mind is going to send a letter of comedy? We don't know what they're going to get. <laughs> Vice versa. It's pretty much my pause. This is, and, and I think it's a good one, by the way. But you think about it right here. We've all seen folks come in. Listen, I, I, some of you mind going to go there. We've, all, we've had them come in here. And one time, bro, one service. Oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Oh, God has led me here. Well, if he has, it'll still be right three months from now. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Well, come to find out, about after about two or three services, that's all she wrote. Amen. Now, I don't want, and here's the thing. I always let folks, they say, hey, preacher, we want to talk about joining. I say, look, you just hang out a while, just get to know us. We get to know you. And, hey, when that time's right, man, you just, come on. We'd love to have you. You know what we're about. Don't want any questions. But here's the thing. We're not going to send for your letter if you've been here three months. Why is that? So you're expecting 
the other church, the other pastor to give you a commendation, although he ain't seen you in three months. You see what I'm saying? We're well, joining on a statement of faith. Amen. Amen. And testimony that you've trusted Christ and you have followed in believers' baptism. Listen, if you're not saved, you can't be a member of the church. I don't care what the role says. If you've never been baptized by immersion, you're not a member of, of, a, of a Bible preaching church. Amen. Amen. Well, my name's on the roll. I joined 40 years ago, but I've never been saved. I've never been baptized. Well, listen, you're not part of the church. You say, preacher, that's awful cold. Well, listen, we're talking about the church tonight. The church is, and this is doctrinal things. Folks get excited about heaven, get excited about different things. Man, you ought to get excited about what God expects of his people. And I get excited about the local church. Ecclesiology, man, you get talking about doctrine. I mean, that's, that's my cup of tea. I'd love to go all the way back through pneuma, pneuma, uh, pneumatology. And we could go through soteriology. We could go through eschatology. You say, preacher, I already know what that is. We'd explain it if we went back through it. But when you think about the study of the church, man, we understand that they had church officers and it was to be a biblical order in which was laid out. They had a membership role. They met at set times. They exercised church discipline. They raised money for the Lord's work and they sent letters of commendation. I, I'm going to quit right there. I, you would not believe how long it would take me to preach this right here. But I ain't doing it tonight. The Lord said that's enough. Sister Savannah's coming. I'd say this. <clears throat> Thank God for the church. And listen, I, I, I don't, don't want anybody to ever think, ever think, that I'm trying to be mean-spirited, Brother Danny. There's some things you just got to stick by. You got to love people at the end of the day. Not everybody's going to agree with you. I get that. But you got to try to stick close to the Bible. There, there, a lot of folks say, well, you know, I, I'd come down to faith, but there's a bunch of hypocrites down there. Listen, I don't care what kind of church you find, there's hypocrites in there. You might as well say amen or old me, because every church is made up of imperfect people. I guarantee you go to, oh, man, I think I'm going to go over here. You're going to go over there and you're going to find they got the same problems that they have at every other church. Because we all made out of the same old wicked stuff. Amen. <laughs> we sure are. But I'm glad God puts us together. But, man, I didn't even get on the sweet stuff. Man, I was pretty much on the sour stuff tonight. I, I can't apologize for that. There's some sweet stuff when it comes to the local, uh, the local church congregation. I thank God for Faith Community Baptist Church. Man, it's made a great impact in my life. Even when I was a child at Vacation Bible School, Granny would come, and sometimes I'd come. That was before they even knocked the wall out. But remember, it was a whole lot tighter up in here years ago. And I remember that. And, uh, man, great heritage right here. Did you know this? And I'm going to close with this. Did you know every church has a stereotype? You say, well, you mean I'm going to prove it to you. I could say a name right now. I mean, we, we could say Collide. We could say Mount Bethel. We could say Northwood. We could say Turner's Creek. We could say Faith Community Baptist Church. We could say Woodland. But every one of those names that I just mentioned, there's a stereotype that's attached with that. Now, am I not telling it right? That's true. There's something that is unique. There's something about every one of those that there's a stereotype about. But here's the thing. Every member... That of, of all of those churches, there's a stereotype when you say, hey, I belong to Northwood. I belong to Mount Bethel. I belong to Woodland. I belong to Collide. I belong to Faith. There's a stereotype, whether you like it or not, that is attached to it. Amen. Yeah, Did you know? I'm trying to quit. 
Did you know there's three things that we represent everywhere we go? Everywhere we go. Number one, we represent our own name. That's why the proverbial writer talks about the importance of having that good name. That's something that you can't, uh, there's, there's no price that you can put on your name. Every time you go out, if you blow up like a banny rooster at the grocery store or Walmart or at the ball game or wherever, you represent your family. Yeah, man. Number two, if you're a member of a church and you blow up like a bullfrog or bull toad, whatever, a toad frog at the ball game or at Walmart or, or maybe you cheat somebody, you steal from somebody, not only do you drag your name down, you drag your church down. Now that's two. But there's a third strike that happens. You say, all right, I, I'm, I'm a child of God. I, I've trusted Christ. I belong to whatever church it is. And then you go out and by your words, by your words, by your works, and by your walk, you harm your name, you harm your church name, but you harm the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Bring a reproach to the Lord Jesus. Brother Cameron hit on Sunday night. She can go ahead and play if she wants Sister Savannah. He hit that text and, yeah, talking about that train trestle. Ephesians 5. He said to walk circumspectly. You better put one foot in front of the other. And you better watch where you're going. Why? Because there's people watching the sun. Well, it don't really matter how I act. It really don't matter how I behave. It re- oh, yes, it does. It affects your name. It affects your church. It affects your Lord. I, I don't want to bring a reproach on anyone. I can't tell you I've always done what, I, what I'm supposed to do. I, I'd be lying to you if I said I did. But my, how we need to walk circumspectly. Thank God for the church. Listen, if you've been a long-time member of Faith Community Baptist Church, I say to God, be the glory. You've been here a short time, you ought to thank God for the ministry. Faith Community Baptist, if you're still on the fence, you're still waiting for God to nudge you and move you, well, then praise the Lord. If the Lord wants you here, then we want you. If the Lord don't want you here, we don't want you. That's not being ugly. That's not being critical. But, man, we don't want no hindrances. Amen. But thank God for the church as we stand all over the house. I'm done. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity, Lord, to share your word one more time. God, as we look at the subject of the church, Lord, I sure is dear to my heart. I thank you for that sacrifice. I thank you for the burial. I thank you for the resurrection. The foundation was built upon. Lord, I thank you for those that in my past several churches have made a great impact. Local assemblies in my life wouldn't be where I am today, Lord, without that. Without those ordained officers. Oh, Lord, I thank you for that. Thank you for the set times that they met together. Thank you for the offerings that were received. Thank you for all those things. We, even when discipline was exercised, all biblical things. God, help us to understand the preciousness of the local assembly. Help us never, never, never to take for granted, God, what you've blessed us with right here on the side of Hennon's Road. We'll be careful, Lord, to give you thanks and give you praise for what you do if we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are Hello friends, this is Brian Pondexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. 
We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16 it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16, verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, 
And if you're sorry for your sin and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. You might say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? But first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which had sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked Him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sin. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us, and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here, and may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.